0: Today we begin a, a new series in talking about how to have the good life now. I remember happened I think a, a couple of times uh, that I can at least remember. I'm sure my father would say it happened more than that, but I remember uh, there were a, a few occasions where uh, my father pulled me aside. I'd be a couple of times in middle school, a couple of times in high school, and. He sat me down and would, would try to talk to me and, and want to explain to me some wise words for living and, and explain his experiences, uh, describe some of the things that had happened to him in his life. I remember him telling me, you know, don't let anybody ever borrow your car. That's why you had to ride a motorcycle because... He let his friend borrow his car, crashed it, of course, and the insurance goes with the car, and he couldn't afford the insurance anymore, so that put him on a motorcycle and things like that. And and, and more important things, I remember him trying to teach me about dating, don't call that girl so often, you know, things like that. That's the role of a father. The father sits down with his son and tries to explain to him, Here's the things that I want you to do in life. Here are the things that I did in my life that were mistakes, and here's what I want you to learn from them. Now, you know that I just sat down with open ears and just soaked that all in and learned. No, no, no. As a typical punk kid, I was like, yeah, dad, do whatever. You're old and decrepit, and you don't know anything about things that are going on these days, and don't comprehend the, the new way things are, and, and of course, I was completely wrong in thinking that, uh, but that's, that's the attitude we have as a son, and what's interesting is I don't know that that attitude really ever fully gets out of our minds. You and I have a very hard time accepting direction, instruction, and wisdom from other people who have experience, I don't know why that is, but we do. We, we just we don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to be told that this is the right way to live our lives, that this is the better direction, that I've gone down that road, and I know the end result. Try this road instead. I, I, I've done these things in my life. You don't want to do those things. Try these things instead. And so many times, even as we get older, we shut our ears to that, and we do not want to listen. And proof of that, I think, is our lack of knowledge on the book of Proverbs. Because this is God sitting his child down on his knee and saying, Dear son, I want you to listen to these wise things. That here are the paths that exist in life. And here are the choices that you are going to encounter. And dear son, here's the things that I want you to do. And I appreciate that that's what the Proverbs are about. And we spend so much time in looking at other books of the Bible that have a lot of spiritual uh, application and a lot of direct spiritual changes. And the book of Proverbs is so different because it really is about your daily walk. And what to do in your life. And here are the things that you should make as decisions. And the choices that you can make. And the direction that you ought to go. And if you do these things, things will go better for you. That things will be generally easier. And I think it's important as we we begin to, to look at the Proverbs. And ask the question, you know, who doesn't want to have a better life now? Everybody does. Everybody certainly wants to have a better life now. But the Proverbs are not going to be a magic pill where you will always be healthy and wealthy. Nor will the Proverbs be able to wave a magic wand and say your life will absolutely be easy if you'll just simply do everything contained in this book. But what the Proverbs show is here are things you ought to do that are wise, that are important, that are prudent for good living. Here are things, if you do them, that will cause you pain, that will cause you misery, and that will cause you suffering. And the book of Proverbs, of all of the books in the Bible, is perhaps the most like an owner's manual to a car. You know, we don't want to read the owner's manual. It's a a boring book that, you know, you kind of thumb through it a few times and, double-check what it says for tire pressure and things like that, but we're not going to read it through and through. And yet the owner's manual is built to maximize the life of the car so that you can get the maximum pleasure and enjoyment out of it. And that's what the book of Proverbs is trying to do. It is parental advice from God trying to tell us, here is how you can have a good life while you are on the earth. I love verse 8, and you can open your Bibles to the Proverbs in the first chapter, but you notice that this is, as I envision it, this is Solomon pulling his his younger son aside and saying, let me tell you some things. And notice how he's, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not reject your mother's teaching. What we see here is, is this very act happening. It is wonderful that we have... The, the, these proverbs written down for us because what Solomon is doing is saying I, I know the paths I, I've gone through it myself son I do not want you to go down these roads that I went down so listen to my teaching do not despise the things that I'm going to tell you and I appreciate how Solomon has to do that right off the bat as he writes this i, I I can visualize my father doing the same thing. Son, don't, don't just turn, turn your ears off to me right now. I've got some important things that I want you to hear. And, and here's Solomon doing that. Listen to me just a moment. I, I know you're whizzing around the room right now, but, but sit down a minute, my son, and listen. And hear the instructions that I'm about to give you. Listen to the teachings and the counsel that I have for you. It's going to help you in your life. And as I pointed out, we don't want to listen to these things, but the purpose of the Proverbs is stated well uh, by one writer. He said is to help one choose the best course of action among those available. The foolish way is to be avoided, the wise way is to be followed. And as you go through the book of Proverbs, so many of the directions are laid out this way, as Solomon will say, My son, Do not go down this road. Do not follow this path. This is something to be avoided and describes the pain that exists from it. And says, my son, if you will choose these things, things will be easier. So many times we make decisions that hurt us. And that's why I think the book of Proverbs is here. I've always been impressed by the layout of what we call the wisdom books. Because Job teaches you that you can experience pain and suffering For regardless of what you choose in life. That bad things can happen to you and it's not because of your decisions. You can live righteously and blamelessly as Job did. And yet you can still experience trials and suffering. The Proverbs come along and say, if you make bad decisions, you're going to pay the price. You make good decisions, things will go well. But if you make bad decisions, that is going to hurt you. And Ecclesiastes comes along and says, you know what, there is such a thing as time and chance. And that there is such a thing as wrong place, wrong time. And that these things also take effect in our lives. And so the three together are really wise words for us in our lives. I want us then to consider some of the words that are stated here by Solomon. In the first verse, the Proverbs of Solomon. Son of David, King of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings of riddle and riddles of the wise. What I think is interesting in what Solomon does in this beginning step is that he does not just simply start out by saying, alright, sit down, let me open your ears, son, I'm just going to pour information into you. But he has to step back and say, let me explain to you the advantages of following biblical wisdom. And, and I, I understand that as I think back to what my father had to do for me. Just, just stop and listen for a minute. Why I want you to listen to this. There are some advantages of what's going to take place. And so the Proverbs do not begin with, okay, do this and don't do that. But rather, let's all sit down and, and draw out the checklist and realize why this study is important. And why following the wisdom contained in this book will lead you to a better life and make you pleasing in the sight of God. The first thing that I think we see Solomon trying to tell his son is that God's wisdom is practical. The things that we are going to read about in the Proverbs are going to be extremely useful to your life. And that is a contrast to the wisdom of the world. I I always appreciate those wise nuggets that you sometimes catch on TV or on the radio and you sit there and think, that was supposed to... Really helped me. I've got some real good ones. Confucius was a really uh, a notable wise <laughs> uh, person who gave a lot of wise sayings. Wise sayings like, and remember no matter where you go, there you are. You know, very practical, helpful information to change my life and make the right decision. You know, that's the way worldly wisdom is. This is one of my favorites. Never give a sword to a man who can't dance. Good to know. Good to know. Why is that wisdom? Why uphold Confucius and say, oh, well, he was a really wise man. Are you kidding me? The Proverbs here, Solomon says, is to acquire a disciplined and a prudent life. The things that are contained in here are going to help you on a very direct personal level if you allow this wisdom to sink in. And that's all Solomon is saying in this third verse. He's saying this can change your life. This is going to help you. This is going to help in the decisions that you're going to make and help you have a better life. So my son, listen to these words that God's wisdom is practical. It's not this ethereal kind of wisdom and and useless information. When God says these things and if you apply them, it's going to help. It's going to matter in your life. The second thing that I think is important to recognize is that God states here, or Solomon states to his son, Is that this wisdom is practical for all ages and all maturities, and I think that's important. You know, at various ages of our life, I don't know where the pinnacle is, but you know, when we're young, we think we have no need for wisdom because we know it all, and then when we get older, we think we have no need for wisdom because we've already experienced it all. And I hope it's somewhere in the middle we all we realize. Uh, you know, I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, I, I need wisdom. I need knowledge. I need information. And that's what Solomon says, is that the things contained in here, these wise words, it, it doesn't matter where you are in life, this is going to help you. Verse 4, teaching shrewdness to the simple. So you say, you know, I'm, I'm a very simple person. You know, I'm not very complex. I try to keep my schedule down. You know, I don't have a whole lot going on. This is going to help you. This is going to teach you wise things, to help you be thoughtful, shrewd in your daily activities. To the young, it's going to help you. Discretion. Oh, when I was young, I had no concept or a value of discretion. I get that now. I understand why discretion is much more important. But when you're young, ah, who cares what people uh, are going to say about that? I want to do what I want to do. And here, Solomon with his son saying, Listen, what I'm going to tell you is it's going to give you some knowledge, some discretion in life. It's going to help you to be able to weed out what's right and wrong. And so many important decisions, my son, that you have to make are when you're young. I've told you so many times about friends of mine at 18, 20, 22, 24 years old. You make monumental life decisions. And... You're just really young to make such monumental life decisions about career, about marriage, about family. I mean, just huge decisions. Here Solomon says, I give you discretion. I'll give you knowledge. i help you in those choices. But also to the wise. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. He says, even to the experienced Even to those who are older, who have been around a few times, he says, you can add to your wisdom. Solomon is not insulting you and saying, well, you don't know. Of course you have experiences. And Solomon says, this will help you too. This will add to that. And you are able also to have guidance and to be able to discern the things of God. So God's wisdom is practical. And I want that to be a very important key that when we read these various Proverbs... We're going to see that there is a really practical usage on daily life, Monday through Friday living, that is really going to help that God is trying to teach us. The second thing is God's wisdom is enlightening. I like verse 2. The purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand wise sayings. I would imagine it would be silly for me to ask you to raise your hands and say, Does anybody here you know, want wisdom? <laughs> uh, yes, that, that, that would be a, a absolute affirmative. And that's all Solomon is saying here in this second verse. Is what I'm about to tell you is going to open the door to wisdom. That these things are the keys to be able to have understanding, to have insight, to have wisdom. That seems to be so unattainable in the common world and in our society. Solomon says, If you will listen to my words, my son, if you will listen to our teachings, you will see that you can know, you can learn, you can have these doors of understanding opened. I think that's important to keep in mind is that what Solomon teaches in these Proverbs is an ability and it's an opportunity for each one of us to say, I can have a little more of the wisdom of God, a little more biblical wisdom, biblical knowledge on my side, practical information that's going to help me in my walk tomorrow. Third, this one I think is really important. God's wisdom stands different from the wisdom of the world because it's moral. And notice in verse 3, he says, to receive instruction in wise behavior, in righteousness, justice, and equity. This is a total contrast to the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world is about selfishness. About what you can do for your own selfishness, for your own pleasures and your own desires. So, you know I'm a, a junkie for reality TV. <laughs> I just can't, I got shit. If there's some reality show, I'll give it a shot. You know, and See if it's any good or not. One thing I always found interesting, the the TV show, The Apprentice, is that every episode, Donald Trump has wisdom that he imparts. Somewhere along in the beginning or in the middle of the show, they'll have him sitting in a chair, and he will speak a couple sentences of really wise words. (laughs) And what comes out every single time is, if you were to boil it down, you got to punch your enemies in the mouth and get on top of them. I mean, that's about what it usually boils down to. Is If you want to succeed, if you want to do well in this life, you got to get them before they get you. And that's much of the wisdom of the world. Turn on the TVs and that's what you'll catch from most of these people who speak. Is Well, if you want to get anywhere in life, boy, you've got to really just stomp down hard on everyone who's around you. Biblical wisdom is different. Notice it is not for selfishness, but for righteousness, but for justice, but for fairness and equity. Biblical wisdom shows us how to act righteously. And what Solomon is trying to tell his son is that if you will act righteously and follow this wisdom, it is going to have positive benefits on your life. And see, the world tells us an opposite thing. That is... If you only worry about yourself, that's the only way to have positive things happen to you. And Solomon is saying to his son, stop thinking about yourself. Focus on biblical godly wisdom and that will have a positive impact on your life. And so a very interesting tactic here that I think Solomon is using with his son. Don't listen to the ways of the world. Don't listen to the common wisdom that you're going to hear. Realize that God's wisdom is going to bring about what is some of the greatest ideals that most of humanity can grasp. Righteousness and equity and fairness and justice. Everything that we all want and state in various declarations. But it doesn't happen through selfishness. It happens through following God. Fourth. I thought this is an interesting sentence here in verse 6. That God's wisdom essentially brings answers. He says, for understanding Proverbs and parables, the say- I should say the sayings and riddles of the wise. There in verse 6. I don't believe Solomon is, is saying, now you will be that wise sage guru if you learn this really well. Stayed on top of a mountain. The people will come and walk up to you and ask, Oh, great one, you know, tell me the wise answer to this awful riddle or parable. That's not what he's saying to his son. You know, us sons would realize, you know, click, we're going to listen to that. What is he saying? He's saying here that what this will do is help you with the difficulties of life. The challenges and some of the mysteries and the problems that come up in life. These proverbs, these sayings are going to help you get through them. He's not saying that, well, you're just going to have all the answers in life. I uh, dare say we'll have all the answers of life. God didn't reveal all the answers to life. But what God is saying is I can help you get through those difficulties. That if you will follow my words, if you will obey the sayings that I give to you, you will be able to endure the difficulties. You will be able to get through those challenges and accept the mysteries that, ha- that we are handed in life. Now, verse 7 then becomes the key and really uh, is the structure, thesis of this whole book in trying to teach his son how to live the good life while he is on the earth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom, and discipline. This is a a really powerful saying. And and it's perhaps a, a surprising saying that Solomon does not say now, if you want to have knowledge and wisdom, what I want you to do is go down to the library and read every single book you can and read up on the rise and fall of all the world powers and read up on every historian And read up on all these books. In fact, I like how he says at the end of Ecclesiastes, the the reading of writing of books is weary, so. (laughs) That's not it. Wisdom is not going to be found there. Nor does Solomon say, now I want you to follow these wise people around for a long time, and that way you'll get wisdom. Just walk in their shadow, uh, be a follower, and and then you'll be able to have these wise words and wise sayings, and you'll be able to glean this knowledge. It all starts in one place. The fear of the Lord. And I really want to emphasize that thought. You and I cannot make wise decisions without the fear of God being first. You and I cannot have a good life. That's what we're using it in this, these proverbs. If we cannot have that kind of life, if the fear of the Lord is not The foundation and the starting point. And I really want to emphasize that. It's almost as if Solomon is saying to his son, Son, I don't even want to bother talking to you about the rest of these wise things until you understand that it all starts with fearing God first. And if you do not comprehend that, then there's no point to the rest of the discussion. He just lays it right out at the beginning. Let me give you the advantages of this biblical wisdom how it's going to help you, and how it's different from the world. Now, son, here's where it starts. You must fear God. And unfortunately, fools despise it. We don't like to be called fools, do we? (laughs) It's rather (laughs) rather insulting. You know, we read that in the book of Matthew. You know, you call somebody a fool. That's quite, quite a slap in the face. Not... Realizing and accepting the fear of the Lord. Notice the parallel here. We're fools. I always love the the Proverbs. We'll see that as we go through the Proverbs a lot, is that Solomon and the other writers write in couplets. And these couplets usually amplify one another. If you understand the first sentence, usually the second sentence either is an amplification of the first or a contrast of the first. And notice that this one has the contrast. Wisdom is going to be found with the fear of the Lord. But fools aren't going to accept that. Instead, fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is the absolute beginning point. I think there's two elements that I want to discuss with you for a moment about the fear of the Lord. The first is that this requires awe and reverence toward God. I think that's one of the the, the very basic keys of what it means for Solomon to tell his son, I want you to fear God. If you want to have the, the, the starting point to wisdom, to find the beginning place to knowledge, to be able to have the life that God wants you to have, the first thing you need to do is fear God, and that means some awe and reverence toward the Holy God. We see that throughout the scriptures. Isaiah 8 verse 13. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. What was Isaiah saying there? I think what Isaiah was saying, as as much as what all the other New Testament writers are trying to say in fearing God, is you have to see yourself for who you are and where you stand before God. I don't believe the things in the Old Testament that happened. So many of those events. are. You know, God's a scary God. You know. He's cooking people here and there. And barbecues that guy. And... I don't think God did that just to be a scary God. That wasn't the point of doing that. He wants us to see where we stand. Recognize who we are dealing with. We are dealing with the Almighty God. And you and I are not on the same level with the Lord. And we often do not have the awe and reverence for God in our lives because we forget that. We forget where God is. I don't know, maybe it would help if, you know, God instituted some of the Old Testament stuff and anyone who walked through the door without the proper garments would get barbecued, you know. That's the the way it was in the Old Testament. You didn't wear this linen thing right. You didn't wear that right. Didn't wash your hands right. Go and do these various sacrifices right. Bam! Duh. What's God trying to teach us? Is a scary God? No. He's saying respect me. I am God. Respect me. Respect who I am. Show some reverence for the Lord. He is the Creator. And sometimes we just forget that. The fear of the Lord begins with respecting who God is. And the things that God is trying to teach us here, we should not read this, oh, well, you know, that was good for back in 1000 BC, but, you know, you know no. Respect that God knows. The wisdom that he is dealing out in this book is going to help you. Have some awe and respect for that. Man, I bet my father should have slapped me around a few times because I didn't have the proper respect for him. You know, I just thought, oh, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't understand dating. (laughs) I think that's so terrible. No reference. We do that as punk kids. We grow up and realize, boy, we're fools. Why do we act like that toward God? (laughs) Sometimes we don't get over it with God. We still act like bratty kids. Respect Him. Show some reverence. Show some awe for who He is. And that's why we see those things in the Old and the New Testament. He's holy. He's different. He's set apart. He's unique. We must then be in awe and respect of Him if we're going to fear God. We must see ourselves for who we are and see where we stand before God. The second thing is just as important with that is that when we see God properly, that will lead us to submission, that will lead us to, to, to obedience. When we see ourselves for who we really are, where we really stand before God, when we have the proper awe and reverence and respect for God, only then will you and I be willing to submit to the will of God. Uh, Any wonder that the writer of Ecclesiastes, who I I believe to be Solomon, that he didn't put this at the beginning of the book, but at the end, fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. It's only when you see life properly that you can come to that conclusion. You can't state that right from the start. You have to put yourself in your proper place. You have to see yourself for who you are and respect and honor God. And when you do that, you'll recognize, I need to fear Him by keeping His commandments. My obedience to Him is most important. The writer of the Psalms, David, said, Now the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, those who depend on On his faithful love. Notice how there David. Describes fearing God. As dependence on his love. It is submission. It is sacrifice. It is giving it up for God. To fear God. Is not only to stand back and say. I respect and honor and am all of who he is. But now. Whatever God asks me to do. Whatever direction I must take. Whatever sacrifices that must be made. That is what I am going to do. Because, friends, when we go through the Proverbs, we're going to see there's some things that are not easy to do. And we're going to read about some things You say, well, that's not an awful lot of fun. <laughs> well, we have to understand that God's saying you're going to have to make some, some sacrifices. You're going to have to obey. You're going to have to submit to me if you're going to live the life that is best in the sight of God. And that's what he's calling for in fearing the Lord. Some obedience, some submission. It is time to make the sacrifice and follow after God. And so fear of the Lord is the beginning. And I want to impress upon you, friends, this morning that I don't want you to sit back and say, "Okay, now I know where my place before God and that's good enough. That's not the only foundation It means that you and I are going to have a readiness to do the things that he has taught for us. And so we're going to say that we're going to put ourselves in a posture of learning. It doesn't do any good for me when when, when dad would pull me aside and try to teach me some things. And I sat there and was going, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> now you know it's Friday night, Dad. I gotta, gotta, get, gotta get going. To fear the Lord means you and I are going to sit down at the feet of God and be ready to learn. That's what he's saying right here. Son, are you ready to learn? Listen to the things I'm about to tell you so that you can make these changes. That's what this is going to be all about. It's not going to be lessons of, okay, now uh, you're forgiven, so go on your way and feel good about that. This is going to be about, here are some practical changes, my son. And these are hard challenges to say, okay, go down this road and don't go down this road. And he's saying, I want you to put yourself in the posture of learning. I want you to hear the words I'm saying. I want you to let them sink into your heart. And then I want you to go do them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise instruction and discipline. And so in summary, that's what we're trying to get across. You and I cannot have the good life according to God's prescription unless we're ready to listen, to learn, and to change. Now, if you sit there and say, I don't want to do that, uh, These other chapters are no good for you. But in fact, I'll tell you, the rest of the Bible is no good for you. That's what God is asking for. And what's so precious about the Proverbs is that it's brought out in such a human way as Solomon is pulling his son to his side. And we comprehend that as our parents in various ways and at various times try to teach us various nuggets of wisdom as we go through life. And that's all God is wanting to do with you say, listen to these wise things. Don't go down this path. Don't follow that road. Do the things that I have laid out for you in teaching. So as we wrap up this morning, I want you to think about this week if you're really fearing God. Think about if your life reflects awe, honor, respect, reverence for God. Think about what it would have been like to live under under Old Testament days. Not so that you'll stand in the New Testament as so many people did. and say, God, I don't live under the Old Testament. Boy, that was rough and tumble back then. Not like that. But think about, what about my life? Would I be able to say, okay, it looks like the holy life that God wants. It shows reverence before God. It shows respect for Him. It shows Him as the ultimate priority. That's the fear of the Lord, that also leads us to submit, to obey His commands. This morning, I encourage you if you have not obeyed the Lord to come to Him today before it's too late, to follow Him with all of your heart. And He has called out so graciously that you will come to Him today to serve Him, to honor Him and respect Him. And by doing so, He says, I'll take away your sins. I'll remove the iniquities that are on your life, I will make you clean, and I'll give you a righteous life that you can stand before God, holy and acceptable to Him, with the hope of eternal life, a home in heaven with the Lord. Just as much as I ask the question, who would not raise their hand and say, "I, I, I want wisdom? Of course we want wisdom. Who does not want an eternal home in heaven? Fear the Lord. Honor Him and respect Him. And obey His commands he's told us how we can have his grace. Turn away from your sins. Turn away from selfish living. Confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord and be immersed in water for forgiveness of your sins. To ask God to take away those sins. Won't you do that right now while we stand in sins?